0: hi and welcome to education in the cracks my name is dr peter ely uh, professor of mathematics education at fairville state university and i'm your host of um, education in the cracks this is a podcast that we have that we do periodically when we like to talk about things in education in particular we like to talk about things that others don't often talk about Um, those things are in the cracks whether they be uh, new and cutting edge research or individuals that are on the up and coming or people or places or things or concepts that people often don't talk about, but it need to be talked about and addressed in the um, in the African-American or the black community in particular um, in the education. So um, education, I'm a little bit into uh, all of it. You know, we just talk about one piece, but we talk about all pieces. Sometimes they are guests with me and sometimes you find me alone so here this is i think our third or fourth podcast in education in the cracks my semester is over so i got a little bit more of my time back and i get to do the things that i like to do and this is in particular is to educate others and, and give what i have but to whom much is given much is required so i try to give and share as much as possible with others about the different and various spaces that we're in so you know we often been hearing this talk people talk about new math. i see the frustration of parents all across the country of um, trying to help their students understand math and the different things and different materials that are out there. And they say, often say, this is not how I learned math. This is something new that they're doing. They've changed math and they've done this to math and they've done that. And I'm here to speak with you on that today. And the truth of the matter is um, math itself has not changed. Math has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Math itself has not changed. And what we talk about when, when we talk about math, in particular, I talk about math. I think about reason. I think about logic, uh, and I do also consider confrontation in that um, reasoning, logic, and some uh, confrontation um, in that. So we have various forms of mathematics that we often talk about. But the things that we hear parents give their frustration about is that they are not able to help their children because they do not understand what it is that we're doing, or they are not able to help their children because they don't understand the mathematics that their kids are being taught so i'm here today to be able to, let's talk a little bit about that sharing this space um, by all means hey hit the um like button share this share this with somebody else if you believe that this could be a help to you also um you know i'm an expert in this space and then in particular if you have questions or concerns i want to do my best to answer them in the next um 35 to 45 minutes or however long this podcast um or podcast would go so um, if you have questions about math, I'll do my best to try to um, help you with that. All right, so I got a couple of things I did write down and I wanted to make sure that I address um, first and foremost. All right, so let's talk about um, what we call it. So math itself is not new. The era of new math was between 1950 and about 1970. 1950 to 1970, you got to remember and realize that what drives education, in particular in the United States, is industry and what's going on at the time. Politics has a very large play, um, place in that, and also what's going on in industry at, the, at that particular time. Well, between the time of 1950 and 1970, we found ourselves in a race to the moon. We were trying to beat the Russians to the moon. We were trying to put um, Sputnik, right? So what happened was there was a change in the courses and a change how some of the courses were being taught. In particular, in the um, the schools, and we have this era that was deemed or called new math. So, when somebody says new math, if we're talking about it from a historical point of view, if we're gonna talk about it correctly, then what we're saying is new math is that area. and what they did then. That math was more um, computational based. They were more theory and more algorithm. Why? Because they were trying to train individuals. They were trying to train teach. I mean, teachers and students. To what prepare them to fight i mean to not to fight but to prepare them to be able to meet the race to space so this is where industry was going this is what people were doing at this particular point in time so what the race to space is where we were so everything at that point in time shifted and you have this area of new math now i will be the first to say what well, some of the things that they did um very good no we know better you know when you know better you do better right you know better, you do better. So at that particular point in time, yeah, there were some errors made and, and and it was the way that things were um, taught in some instances that we had students who struggle. So in that particular point in time, in that period in time, we had a lot of individuals lose their love for mathematics. In particular, um, if you look at it, most of that, that would be our parents' age. That would be my parents. My parents were born between 50 and 70. You know, I'm a 70s baby myself. So that whole time period, is when you found that math took this this hard shift and people and individuals found it to be extremely taxing. They found it to be extremely hard. And because they were without a doubt doing a lot of the harder things. And this era is known in mathematics, mathematics education as the new math era and what they were doing so then we find this thing later on we go back to this back what they call back to basics call because a lot of individuals were falling out of math they weren't getting math and and math had gained a bad rap math had gained a bad rap and now you need students um in the space and they're no longer in the space why because they felt um that math was not for them and that they couldn't get it and i'm not one of those ones i'm not a believer of that i believe every individual can get math um, there's some things you have to do there's some discipline you have to um have there's some things that you must exercise um in that particular space and you can develop um in time you know it's not a race you know and um we'll talk a little bit about that and how do we get to this point of this people just flying through to get stuff all right so so now we move from the new map so there's no such thing as um the new map is not what we're talking today so what we're talking to today is this era of now where we are um, doing what we call conceptual understanding um, of the, the different concepts that the students are getting. So now, you know, I know there was a video that's going around and I've seen it a bunch of times. I've been seeing it a bunch of times and people ask me, this is new math. Why does it take the students so long to do this versus this? Why are they spending so much time doing that? Why can they just get to the answer right here, right here, right here, right here? Well, the truth of the matter is a lot of us. They are now, you know, in the adult space in that we have our children who are coming through school or those who are having children. We spent a lot more time memorizing facts than we did actually understanding. Yeah, let's be honest here. I remember the days when I was in uh, sixth grade and fifth grade that we just wrote the timetables over and over. And they were told that you have to memorize all these timetables and you memorize them, then you will do it faster. And believe it or not, we thought we were doing math. Why? Because we were told that we would do a map, that this computation, When the truth of the matter is, we really were not competating anything. We were just recalling mm-hmm. through rote memorization. We were just recalling things that we had learned. So it would be the same as if you were learning definitions, you know, in a in a book, you know, you were just recalling the same things over and over and over again. So if they said five times five, you knew it was 25. If they said five times four, you knew it was 20. If they said five times three, you knew it was 15. Did you do any calculation on that? No, you didn't. Think about that for a moment. You did not do any calculation on that. What you did was you just went and out, you memorized it. And because you memorized it, somebody told you that you knew it. And now that you feel like you knew it, then you went on. Well, what happens in time, we see a thing that happens in time, is that as individuals go on, I, me included, I forget some of these things. You forget some of these things. These things that we thought were second nature to us, if you don't use it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. So what we happen is in, in time is that if you're not using these things on a constant basis, some of them, you you forget them, Okay. And 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 that's human to forget is human, right? We we all forget things from time to time. All right. So, no, was it was it fast? Yes. Was it efficient? Yes. But did it build scientists? Did it build our students to the build us as individuals that we understood math in a way that if we forgot certain things, that we'd be able to recall them? No. The truth of the matter is, you know, I did not learn. That, you know, that math was an alternate, I mean, that you could take addition to do, you know, the multiplication to very, very later on in my mathematics career. Because I was not taught that. I was taught, remember these multiplication tables. And if you got that you're going to do well in math. There was no reasoning involved in that. Mm-mm. There was no thought process involved in there. It was just, did I recall what I wrote down? Are y'all with me? Okay. So now if you get to that point in time, like I said, now you get to a point in time that you forget this stuff. How do you do it? And we find individuals now who struggle in math or math is not their favorite such because what you're doing is you put yourself in a bad position in the sense that, or you was put in a bad position in the sense that what you're doing is now you're trying to recall information and not actually um, think about things. So let's say for instance, right now, if I forgot what five times three was, because I have a conceptual understanding of what multiplication is and how it works. I understand that I can take the number three and add it five times, or I can take the, or I can take, take the number three, add it um, five times, or I can take the number five and add it what? Three times. It's a concept. So no matter what number that you give me to multiply, even if I forgot it, I'm able to do what? I'm able to derive and work to the answer, okay? Does this take longer? Absolutely, right? Does it take longer to do this? Yes, but am I ever without my answer? No. So what we have to ask ourselves is, are we really asking ourselves, is this a matter of us getting the answer fast or us actually knowing how to do something? Is is it about getting the answer fast? Um, efficiently really really fast or do I understand why I have it because if I understand why I have this answer what I see is that these this concept may apply to different other I mean other things throughout my learning um, um, my learning trajectory right okay so learning from a conceptual understanding point of view does take more time however what it does do is, is opens you up to be able to do so many other things and it does not stifle creativity. And we look, you know, the United States is in a position that it's in. Why? Because we've been for years, we have been the most innovative place on the planet. You know, we have so many inventors and things that we do here that was innovative. And, and those innovations is what drove the United States. It drives our economy even to this day. When we lose our innovation, then what, what happens is now we become stagnant as a country and now we stop being producers and we end up being consumers. Now, if you look at it right now, a lot of us, what we consume, we really don't produce much of anything. You know, you go to the grocery store, you go buy your meats. You don't have a cow anymore. You don't go outside. You don't grow it out of the yard. You go out there and you buy it from Walmart or wherever the case may be. So now you're in a place that what you're, not a producer anymore that you're a consumer and at some point if you keep consuming 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 then you do not become a producer of anything and if you're not producing anything then how are you generating are you with what you see what i'm saying to you so this math allows us to do that so we're teaching math now with what a conceptual understanding and what a conceptual understanding says is simply this there are some rules that are in place, okay? There are some laws or some algorithms that are in place. And w- what you're saying is, is that you can do this problem anyway as long as you don't break the rules. I often talk about it to people like this, that you're on the road. Now, if you're driving on the road, what happens? The road, we have one side, we have what? The white line, and then you have the yellow line. And as you, you drive, you can do what? You can drive anywhere you want on that road going down the road as long as what? You stay between the white line and the yellow line, right? Those are the rules that have been laid out before. Stay between the white line and stay between the yellow line. Anything in between, you can be swagging way back and forth between the, I mean, you can be going, like I said, back and forth right, in between the, um, the yellow and the white line. But long as you don't cross the center of either one of those lines, you are legally within the law it might not be the best way to do that it may not look as pretty as you ride down the road but you are legally within the law well think about your math the same way you know as you read I mean as you're doing this math maybe you don't do it exactly like this person but if you follow all the rules if you don't break um any of the rules and you have this conceptual understanding of it then what happens is is that maybe you don't do it exactly like him but you come to the what the same realization at the end you come to the same answer and that's okay okay that's 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 okay it's not a problem with that now is it harder for teachers absolutely it can be harder for students yes it can be but maybe not because you know the number one thing i get from people all the time especially my parents is well my kids just don't get it that way Well I know teachers already have an extraordinary and hard job because they have to what not only they you know they deal with students and behavior issues and all these things, and all these things that students bring with them. You know, some students are not eating, some students are not sleeping, some students don't have shelter and all these other things on top of teaching these children, on also on top of teaching them now inside of a pandemic, but they have to look at all the various ways that these students understand, you know, um, Gardner tells us about his multiple multiple intelligences of how the students learn. You know, you have the, you know, the hands-on learner, and then you have those who, who, you know, visual learners and those who auditory and, you know, it goes on and on. You can look that up. Now, as you look at that place and you look at that, that piece, he talks about all these different suits. That teacher is now required to try to meet all those needs in that classroom. So some of us, you know, there'll be things that'll be written on the board. Some of the students are just wanting to listen. Some students want to, you know, they want to touch it and see it. So then we bring out these things that we call manipulatives, mm-hmm. you know, in the case I'm teaching algebra, algebra tiles, counting blocks, web apps. All these things are brought to that space, okay? And if you have questions, by all means, please just put, drop down a question in That We're live. This is not a pre-recorded. This is live. So if you have a question, put it in there, and I'd be more than glad to answer that question. All right. If I have the answer, if I don't have the answer, i tell you, I don't know. I don't know everything. All right. So what, 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 do we have here? So now, so now the teacher is going through all these things. So yes, I might teach you to do it this way, but just like I taught one student, no, a handful. I taught it this way. is the first method. There's probably like five other students in there who didn't see that, who didn't get it, who didn't understand it. So now as I, as the teacher, to dude be equitable in that space, Now I have to offer another method and now maybe two more students pick it up and offer another method and maybe three more students pick it up. But what you're going to find in the middle of all these different methods is that there's going to be a concept that's going to be true to all of them. There's going to be some concept. And if you can get that concept, it ain't going to matter which one of the methods that you chose. If you understand that concept of what we're trying to do in that particular thing, it's not going to really matter which one you choose. Now, this is tougher for teachers from this point of view that what teachers have to do is their teacher has to sit down and and understand, well, which method did this student choose and did they follow the path and follow the rules? Remember, I told you the rules were stay between the yellow line, stay between the white line, and you can go anywhere in between there, right? How many ways are in between there? It depends on the problem. It may be two, three different ways that someone can do this problem. But what we sometimes, and I'm a parent, we as parents try to do is, Let me teach it the way that I know it. Even if the way I know it was bad. Even if the way I was taught it was poor. Even if the way I taught it, and I didn't get it, but I want to perpetuate that to my kid because that's the way I got it. The truth of the matter is, and I can at least speak for me, my children, they're being raised, but they're not being raised in the same environment that I was raised in. They've been raised in a pandemic. They've been raised in a different neighborhood. They've been raised, you know, Around the people? I have a couple more things than I had, you know, um, than than my children had. Um, than I had, my children have access to more things than I had when I was coming up. My children got the internet. The internet wasn't even invented when I was born. Maybe it was invented, but it wasn't public. Do you see what I'm saying? So their whole atmosphere, or their context, is very different from what mine is. Because the truth of the matter is, a lot of us came up, like I said, in the time of rote memorization. And computation, they just, comp, you know, they just com- compute, 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 compute. But then you have what, the 80s come around, we're giving calculators, TI calculators, and you know, the TI text instrument t- um, calculators are now moving and still going strong today. Then we also get into space that we come into what, the personal computer, the co- personal computer comes out in the 80s. So ask yourself as a parent, ask yourself as a student, how many things have changed since I've learned math? How many things have changed since I did this? So now as we have students who have access to these computers and they have access to these calculators and they have phones right now, your iPhone, this phone I'm holding up in my head, it has more power now than probably the first computer that was, you know, that came up first person the computer just in that phone. So these kids now and our students now have access to so much more than you and I May have had in the beginning. So obviously what to be able to teach them some things have to change. How we look at some things have to change. How we consider some things has to change. So yes, they can computate, but we want conceptual understanding. Why conceptual understanding first? Because they understand the concept. Then when I give them all these little tool, cool tools, like an iPhone and an iPad and a calculator and a computer, they understand the concept of it. So when we give them these tools, then they know how to program them more easily because these tools are built on what those same concepts, that same algorithm that I'm trying to get your kid to understand. This is what this, this iPhone is built off of. It's what that computer is built off of. Are y'all, are you with me? So when you're in that space, you got to think about it in terms of that. Because we know that these things are not going away. The iPhone is not going away. This stuff is not going away. If anything, it's become a more and more part of our life. My daughter has a computer. I had a computer for her when she was six or seven. I myself didn't have access to a computer until I was probably like 17. Do you see? Do you do you are you getting what I'm saying? So, with that, we're teaching the math from a conceptual under. Because standing under view, if they just want to find the answer, they can find it. There's websites out there that will actually even do the math for you. And this is why that's, that doesn't matter to me. If you just want to an answer, we got calculators, we got computers, we got all this stuff that will give you an answer. But the thing you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, do you want your child to be able to walk away? Why is the answer what it is? That's the magic here. That's the silver bullet. It's Why? We got plenty of smart people going to say we got computers and calculators. all this, this stuff will give us the answers. OK, we know that we can get the answers. But why do I get the answer I get? That's what I want to know about. That's what matters to me. That's what's important. The answer. Why do I get what I get? Am I making sense to somebody? OK, so if I understand that, then because I understand it conceptually when I start putting different inputs in, I can put the stuff into the calculator correctly. Now you can spend time. And we know there's kids who spend time just trying to understand how to use the calculator. And some people and I, and I'm not a proponent of this technology does not replace the teacher. It's just the aid to the teacher technology does not replace the teacher. It's just an aid to the teacher. Okay. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, when I was teaching high school, yes, I taught high school before I became a college professor. I taught middle school before I became a college professor. And I remember, you know, there was, you know, we used to work on this thing called an overhead projector. Right. Yeah. I used to do that. I'm old school. Right. So I had a pen. I'm writing on the overhead projector. And the truth of the matter is in that 45 minutes, I might have had two. I might can get two to three problems in. I might can get two to three to three problems in to try to get the kids to kind of see these concepts. And then I probably had a, um, something or a, 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 a um, a, um what is, a, what does it call a pacing guy that was telling me I need to be going on something else by the next day. Okay. So these three problems is about all I would be able to give these students. So what the technology does is it gives them more examples faster. Okay. So now I you know I'm in a space that I can pull up things and things that took me like, uh, um, 10, 15 minutes to graph by hand. Now, if you understand the concept, we'll be able to put those into those calculators and computers and technology and be able to see this in real time and now you're ready to what? To be able to see how these things change over time. So if I want to see how X change over time, I had to do this by hand, one by one, right? But now, if I want to see how X changes over time, I can show them how to do this and understand, okay, so what is X actually doing? So as X changes... Now I can see how it just changes this and this line goes this way and it goes that way. If it's negative, it goes that way. If it's positive, it does this if it's zero. And this is why this is important. So let's talk about common core, common core, common core. I call it the common chore, common core. I like to call it the common chore. What is common core? Common core is just basically, um, it was a a, a map that was developed and it's still mathematics. What they're trying to do is essentially this. You have to understand something about the education system in the United States of America. Number one, we do not have a federal education system. We do not have a federal education system. Some people believe we do. We don't They're like, well, why don't we have a secretary of education. I'm glad you asked that person there is there. They do have some powers, but they do not control education in your state. In fact, the people who control education in your state, depending on how your state is set up is the state itself. Or the local, what we call the LEA. LEA stands for Local Education Agency, which means your local school board. So get out and go vote. Those are the people who are controlling what your kids are going to get. Those are the people who are buying the textbooks. Those are the people who are hiring the superintendents. Those are the people who are helping them, you know, letting them set the curricula and exactly what's going to happen. Now, what does the state do? You know, at least here I'm in North Carolina, by the way. You know, the state of North Carolina, what they do is they said, OK, these are the things that each student must do or must know before they leave this particular grade. And to make sure that they know that we're going to hold you accountable by giving you what we call an end of grade test. So that end of grade test is not only accountability for the students, but it's also an accountability measure for the teacher. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, whether it's the best one or not, that's all up for debate. And I, you know, I, we can debate those, all right? But that's what it's essentially set for, and this is why we at the end of the day, people, we call it high stakes testing. When we say high stakes testing, what we mean by high stakes testing is that these students, if they pass, they pass, if they fail, they fail. If the students don't do well, then the teacher is scolded or reprimanded or lose jobs. If they do well, the teacher is rewarded, they get bonuses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. High stakes. In that it's something on the line. Okay. So with common, so with common court, now to help you understand, that's how the states are set up. So the states give you, okay, you have these guidelines, and then they give the local education agencies the power to make the decisions that they need to make, which they believe works for their area. So you think about it, you know, we as Americans, we don't like being told what to do. And people in your county and your st- your state don't like being told what to do. People in your county don't like being told what to do. And people inside the little small cities in your st- your county and your state don't like being told what to do. So they each have what their own strong arm of power, which is the local education board. Very very powerful situation. I know we we fuss about presidents and all this stuff. We need to be looking at that thing. That's where the power lies. All right. So this is how you get there. So what happens is. You have the local whoever, the local popular guy, and people vote for him. And maybe he owns a business in town. He owns a little stop um, gas station on the corner. And he believes that everybody should learn how to pump gas. And he runs for um, school board. He wins and he gets in there. And what does he do? He changes the curriculum so that everybody pumps gas. He's on the school board. You have elected him to make the decisions for you. Because mm-hmm. you say that you believe whatever he believes or you believe he's going to do right by you. So he gets up there, he changes everything to set that. Now, you as a parent, maybe you don't like that, but that's how that got there. That's why it's important that you vote in, you vote in these local elections. Now, I always caution people, be careful of those who are single voter issues. I mean, when I mean single voter, is that maybe he just want people to pump gas, but you want them to pump gas and you want to make sure that they can understand the things in science and all this stuff. And that's going to matter about who you vote for. Cause this is the people that they end up, what to go hire the superintendent. And then the superintendent tell these people, oh, look, this is what I want you to do based on what they hired me and hired me to do. And it's a what we call that push down effect, right? It starts from the head and gets pushed down. And that superintendent answers to that school board, that local school board, right? So the local school board has got the control. They get the money from the state. And then they also collect money from what? your local taxes, all of this affects your education. All right, so now that I laid that down, so what happens in, and I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina, so what what was discovered? What needs to be learned in Greensboro, North Carolina, may not be the same thing that needs to be known in Fayetteville, North Carolina, okay? In Greensboro, North Carolina, we might be more industrious, so I wanna make sure that the kids understand how to measure, right? Because maybe the biggest you know, it's a big factory here in town and everybody works at the factory. So I want to make sure that the kids measure so why. So when they come out of high school, they can go work right at this factory. Okay? So I need them to make sure they know that. While in Fairville, they are harvesting peanuts. So I need to make sure that what the kids here can support our industry here when they graduate from high school. So I need them to be able to know how do you count bushels. So what do I do? In greensboro i set my education system up to what to be able to make sure the kids know how to measure so they can be employed by the local employer here and keep our economy going right and be able to support themselves and their family makes sense right and then in fairville i need to make sure that the kids there know how to count peanuts or count bushels of peanuts why because that's our local economy and that's important to what we do here makes total sense this is why the local education agencies had this kind of power well, the truth of the fact of the matter is this. I do not live in the town I grew up in. In fact, I'm almost two to three hours away from there, okay? And chances are, if you think about it yourself, you're not in the towns that you grew up in. People now are much, much more mobile. You could have grew up in North Carolina like myself, and some of you live in California, New Mexico, Hawaii, San Diego, I mean, um, South Dakota, Minnesota, wherever the case may be. Well, the problem with that is your education was based where? Of you being in North Carolina, because if you think about it back in the day, in the 1800s, early 1900s, people did not leave outside of their county walls for the most part. People did not travel like that. Why? We didn't have the means. You know, airplanes were not around and we won't ride around on jets and all this other kind of stuff like that. Right. So most people did not leave their area. You stayed in the county walls. You were born in the county. You was educated in the county. You died in the county. That's not the case now. We have people. I'd be here in Greensboro today. It could be in Japan, Okinawa tomorrow. I mean, in a couple hours. Do you see what I'm saying? So now this skill set that was I learned here served me well for where I was in Greensboro. But it doesn't serve me as well being in Santa Monica, California. Or Mission Mission Valley in San Diego. Do you you see? I mean, do you see what I'm saying? So because of that, this concept of common core. So what the common core is simply saying is this. Because let me back up one step. So like if you had a kid right now who, say, for safe, if you was a parent, maybe you was a military parent, right? And you got into, well, no, we not say military. You say safe, you're here and you're working at this plant and your job picks up and it goes to Ohio. All right. So in North Carolina, you were learning, your kid was in the third grade and they were learning this. They say, for instance, they were learning about A. And you pick up and you move to Ohio because you're your job. And you get to Ohio and you find out the kids there are learning about D. Your kid was learning A. Your kid, their kid's on D. What's happening? You're behind. Not that your kid is not smart. Not that your kid is not been doing. Your kid only could do what they were being given, right? Get that. Understand that. So since your kid can only do what they were given, it's not their fault that they get to Ohio that they two two or three levels ahead of them. So now you got a situation. Your kid walks in the door last. Your kid comes in behind. So now you as a parent, you have to make a decision or as a person you you have to make a decision. How do I get my kid caught up? The truth of the matter, the only way they're gonna get caught up is that what? You have this one group stopping and the other group had to work twice as hard. And we already know that this, you know, this is hard, right? You know, the kids were struggling with understanding this or they didn't like it for whatever reasons, um, you know, as parents passed their, you know, their phobias down to their children, right? I didn't do good. You know, what I mean by passing the phobia like this? Well, you know what? I, and I've heard this from parents before say, well, I didn't do good in math, Mr. Ely or Dr. Ely. I, I didn't do good in math. And I know Johnny, he going to struggle in math too. And, you know, so if he just gets to see you know, I'll be real appreciative. Or if he gets a C, I think, you know, we'll be doing good and we'll be happy with that. And what this parent just did is just told their child that it was okay to be mediocre. You just told this child it was okay for them to be mediocre. Why? Because you didn't get it. So you didn't have any expectations that they were going to be able to get it and do better than you. Every generation we want to get better, right? So now this kid has this low expectation of, I don't have to do any more than this cause this is the only le- the level of expectation in my house. This is the level of expectation where I'm at. So if I meet that level of expectation, I am good. Am I making sense to you? So I am good. So therefore what? I do not have to go any further cause I am good. All right. So now with that being, being said, here comes the common core. So the common core comes in to do what? The common core, they got together and they said, okay, what are things that if a kid was in Georgia and they moved to Texas or the kid was in Texas and they moved to South Dakota, we want them to kind of pretty much be on the same level. No, we're not exactly going to be all on the same level, but we want to kind of be on, you know in the neighborhood. Does that make sense? Okay. So that's where the whole concept of this Common Core came from. Is that okay? Here's the core values. These are all things that we value, okay? And since we value these things, we think every student should know these. And you know, and as they progress through the education, they should you know be at this area. So give or take, you ain't gonna have a kid who is um, that far behind. Am I making sense? So think about it. We are some very very mobile. So. Man, I got a job in Texas. My kids are here in the the school system in North Carolina. I go down to Texas. I want to know that my kid is pretty much, maybe a week within two weeks, give or take, three weeks maybe, either ahead of that group, behind that group, or right there with that group. And then they go right into the school system because it's already going to be hard enough for us moving and all these, you know, them dealing with that piece. All that's going to be tough as it is, okay? So now that we move in all this, boom, they run right into that situation and we're good to go. That's what the goal of the common core was. But like anything, it's the United States, right? And with that comes this thing called politics. And with politics comes control. And with control comes money and power. Okay. All right. So it's about control, baby. It always is. So now they get to the point, all right. People feeling like you're going to come in and now this is going to one of two things. Let me step back up. Number one, this is going to take some control from us. I'm not going to be able to count peanuts over here no more, even though Fabio doesn't do peanuts no more. Right. And I'm not going to be able to work in this industry no more, even though that factory is now gone in Greensboro now. I still want to teach that. Why? Because that gives me my local control. Right. It makes me feel good about it. I'm making a difference here. I'm gonna train the next person to run my gas station, right? Do you see what? Do you see what I'm saying? So this sense of control—it's not about what's best for the student; it's about what's best for me right now and my ego, and my area, and my handful of people who voted for me. Because the truth of the matter is, a lot of people don't even go vote. Do y'all go look at those those school board races? You know, you have a city of hundred thousand people, and it'd be like two thousand votes. You see what I'm see what I'm saying? And then we want to complain about it. Why? Because you ain't got out and you hadn't voted. So if you don't vote, it's like you ain't on the books. I mean you ain't got nothing to say. So this is what the, 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 the common core part was set up, but now like I said, it, it messes with what? It messes with the control there. Also, the other fear of that is what that is that they are going to. Create a federal education system. Well, these are the fear people have. Okay, if we have this common core, and we all on this thing, we all are there together. Is this not setting us up for a a common um a federal system? People are leery of the federal government. We already know, we've seen this, you know, people play on this this um this nerve or this thing of people ensuring this before, right? This is nothing new to us. Yes? So with that being said, then, you know, there's a play on that, you know, whether they're going to take it over, you know? And the thing is, does the government have power? Yes, they have power only through suggestion, recommendation, and influence. That's their power when it comes to education. Education is a state's issue. They have it through, you know, they make recommendations through what? Their power of influence. Their influence is what? Through their money and their politics. So it's say, for instance, like, I want to, I come up with a thing, and I'm the Secretary of Education, and I want everybody to go out and learn um, horseback ride. So what I do is then there are some schools in some states that are struggling that need resources. They do not have money. They have students, you know, um, with special needs and all kinds of stuff. They do not have resources. So what do we do? We ask, them, okay, I need resources. Um, how do I get them? And here's this program to say, if you teach your kids how to horseback ride, you can have this three million dollars, but you see how you suggest this? If you go teach the kids how to horseback ride, you can have this three million dollars. Now it only gonna take you maybe five hundred thousand to get an instructor to teach the kids how to horseback ride. Now you got what two point five million to do whatever else that you need to do. You in a poor system? You need a new building. Your building is leaking. Your kids can't feed themselves, so what do you do? Do you take the government money that says teach all the kids how to horseback ride, and know I got two point five million after that that I can repair my building, feed my kids, um, get them new textbooks, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Or do I say no? I'm not going to teach them how to ride horses, and I sit over here and I don't take the money, and the kids suffer. That's a real question. And it happens all the time. So what we do is then, well, we really need the money. All right, so we're going to make all the kids learn how to horseback ride. So all the kids not how to horseback ride. And I give them the horseback riding. And whoever you know, put their money up for the horseback riding, they are static. They got what they wanted. They used their money, their power, and their influence to get it. Whether it was a good thing or not, who cares? But what they did do is now they got this implemented. Because they used their money. And they use the power and they use the influence okay so now this is what moving the needle so this is how things go so was there's special monies out there to say okay if you implement common core we'll give you this we'll give you this yes and this is true for a lot of things just not particularly in education this goes across the gaming education because if you know the truth of the matter is okay if i implement this money here i mean if we if we implement this then they got to test them if they got to test them. Who's making the test? Ooh. So if I'm making the test, somebody got to be paid to make the test. Somebody's got to be paid to deliver the test. Somebody's got to grade the test. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Okay. Now that the test got to be graded, now I got to give it back. And now what? Somebody's sitting out there. as so well. Let me make up some study guys for the test, and then things start to become about what the test and not that concept that we are trying to do. Because now we're just trying to what, trying to pass the test. Not worried about that because we need to be able to pass this test so that those who gave us this money would be happy. So they asked us. Remember my my analogy here is we want all the kids to horseback ride, right? so now they send you this horseback riding test and you want to make sure all the kids can horseback ride but as a result of that you also got all this other money that now you can use to be able to support your facilities and be able to support kids who don't have and all these kind of things and this is how you get into this stuff and this is how the the federal government influences education it's you know it's a state issue but they can influence by what money i have this and if you do what i ask you to do then you can have it and we often sometimes have to take debates some of, especially some of the poorer states all right so let's talk about pandemic math i hope that i'm being helpful to you all today if you're enjoying this just tell me down in the comments and say hey peter i'm enjoying this and i want more of this this has been our podcast education in the cracks where we talk about the dirty things of education we talk about those things in education that people don't know about don't see or really don't even understand and it's my job i try to bring it to you in what we call layman's terms and that you can understand the reason and understand what's going on um, and what's happening, and how can you use this to influence your space? All right, so let's talk about pandemic now. The truth of the matter is, this pandemic has been—it's done a doozy. None of us was ready. Higher ed, K through 12, none of us saw this coming. it's true the matter: none of us lived through a pandemic unless you're over 100 some years old. Okay and we didn't know this was coming so now everything we move everything to remote learning or online learning or you know there's a difference between remote learning and online learning but we've pulled everything to that space and now as we pull everything to that space some things are happening okay not only are we not ready but our country's not ready number one our technology infrastructure is not there what do you mean by that we have these things that we call Internet deserts. What is the internet desert? It's a place where the internet does not exist. Broadband, we call it more specifically broadband deserts. Broadband doesn't exist. They don't have access to broadband internet. So if you think about it, if you're watching here and you're watching me, whether you watching me on Facebook or YouTube or wherever the case may be, when you look when you look at it here and, and you and you're seeing a video such as what I'm doing right here, then um what uh what happens is That, you know, the sound is being sent. And while the sound is being sent, there's also another piece being sent, which is the video. That takes up a lot of what we call bandwidth, okay? So, and it it costs, and you have to be connected, all right? So now you don't have internet access, so you're not able to use the Zoom. You're not able to use Teams, and you're not able to use all these different cool softwares. That's number one. So these internet deserts or these um broadband deserts is an issue. It's gonna limit um students' ability to have access to quality education because we cannot go to the buildings. All right. Now, so you don't have internet access. Well, some well, if they gave you the computer, that doesn't matter. Because some 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 kids do not have access to the computers or the technology so i know a lot of people say oh we'll give them access to the technology but a lot of them like I said now they have access to the technology they do not have access to um connectivity and i mean when i mean access to connectivity i mean reliable um access not that okay i got it today and i'm not gonna have it tomorrow you need something that's sustained you know i don't know about you but sometimes kids want to you know they do work better in the morning some do it better in the afternoon some of them do it better when they have access to certain things and Right now, the way we're in, some kids are, whether you know it or not, are in neighborhoods with a school bus on the outside. And they sitting on a school bus or they sitting outside on the lawn or they are sitting outside in the park trying to connect wirelessly to a um, to a bus to be able to do their school work. This is going to affect the mathematics. Um, you know, many of you, um, you know, I hear from you saying, you know, how you struggle in math and how your student struggles in math and all this thing. Can you imagine trying to learn the math? just from the worksheets that you're giving but nobody else to be able to instruct you not even be able to get access to youtube and all these other things at least to hear somebody else talk about it these are issues these are real issues that we're having in our communities with internet deserts or like i said more specifically broadband this affects access number two we have a whole different group of people that we're not even talking about in particular, two more groups of people I want to speak specifically to and I think my time will be up for today. We're not talking about ESL. English is a second language. Now, I know most people, especially here in North Carolina, we refer to them mainly as the Hispanic students, but that's not just them. Those are anybody else who did come here who does not speak English as their first language. And their special services typically in schools, they're there to be able to help translate, to help them to get the information and get and, and understand. Because what I find is that a lot of these students are really amazing students, but there is a language barrier that they don't understand what I may be saying or how I'm trying to present information or whatever the case may be. And since that's a problem, then students are not able to get sound instruction. It's another one of the pandemic issues that we are seeing. What are we doing with our English as second language learners? They're not getting access to good instruction. Then last but not least, we also have students who have special needs. These are our students who fall on the autism spectrum. These are our students who, who have um, learning disabilities, students who are physically, you know, some of them physically handicapped, some of them mentally handicapped, some of them, all these different areas. These students are entitled to a sound education also. Our government guarantees it. But we're in a space now. What are we doing? What can we do? I'm talking about pandemic math. So this pandemic has found all of us. And what I'm afraid is that when we get back to school, we see what we call the education or we call the achievement gap. And we know the gap was not getting big. I mean, it was not actually getting smaller. It was getting wider. But I believe now it's going to be a canyon. It's going to be so big and so wide. I don't think we'll catch it in my lifetime now. Why? because we have a group of kids who are not even getting access to anything and therefore they're doing nothing and some of them are given to to be honest some of them have gotten to the point they just completely given up why and why is this a problem they said peter why do you care so much because the same people who you know we're yelling black lives matter and and all these things and all these things do matter all lives matter blue lives matter But these children's lives matter. These children getting access. Why? Because if they don't learn these things and they don't understand these things and we don't give them the access and the information they need, these are the same ones. They'll do whatever they have to do to survive. These will be the same ones who will be, you know, like at some point, maybe causing crime. Why? Because they're trying to survive. Not because they want to, but they don't know any other means to do so. We often talk about it's cheaper to educate than it is to incarcerate them and all these things. Well, I mean, we're at a point now we have to really sit back and look at these things. How are we going to get back into this place? Because the truth of the matter is, it's kids that look like me. It's kids who are color who find themselves in this space because other kids that have access or have parents who have wealth or parents who have money are paying for their kids to get tutors. You know, I tutor kids. I help people. You know, there are kids who get tutored. There's kids who are still going to private school, and regardless of what coronavirus is doing, regardless of regardless what's going on, they're still getting this education. They are still getting access to this. While some other kids are sitting at home waiting for this thing to pass, and they're not getting access to this. They're not getting access. Therefore, they're being left further and further and further behind. So today, I hope that you've learned some things. We've addressed some things. New math, it ain't new at all. It's a throwback. It's actually still a, their there, same arithmetic. But what we're teaching more from a conceptual understanding that you just don't memorize the stuff, but that you take it and you understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yes, it may take a little bit more time. There's no doubt about that. It may be a little harder to grade. There's no doubt about that. But the dividends that are going to come in later are far out of sea where we are and what we're doing right now. You know, so parents hanging in there. I know it's tough. I know you don't understand. You want to be in a position to be able to help your kid. But they can fail forward. I promise you they're going to be all right. I promise you they'll be okay. A little productive struggle has never hurt anybody. A little productive struggle struggle and help them find themselves and they'll think back and they'll look about this time. Like, man, how did we make how did we make it over? So there's resources. Reach out. Hey, I'm available Tweet me at Dr. Peter Ely, um, I'd be more than glad to point you in the direction and, and send you out to resources and things and others that may be able to help you. And in this point in time. Hang in there, hang in there. Um, it's going to be like, yes, one of my colleagues said it's going to build character. You're right. It's going to be a character. And it also builds What perseverance? Right? Do you know? Do you not remember that time when you finally figured that thing out? When you finally got that problem, when it finally made sense to you? Do you remember that time? And when you got it, nobody could tell you anything different. Nobody could tell you anything different about it. And when you had it, you had it, and you were so glad you had it, you made sure that everybody else around you knew that you had it. And this is what I'm telling you today. So New math, the pandemic, Common Core, Let, let's reconsider because these things, the context of the situation is so much different from when you were in school. And we're not talking about just memorized, because now our kids, what, they program computers in first and second and third grade now. And some of us didn't even look at a computer and, and even know what a computer was to some of us, us was in, adult, in adulthood. And it, so reach out. Ask for help, ask for resources, reach out to your local university, reach out to those local professors, find out what's out there. Be willing to invest in your kid. All right. So you all take care. Uh, Thank you. I hope that you found this to um, be helpful to you. Share this with somebody else. You can go to our website, www.educationinthecracks.com. You can also find our podcast is in the Apple um, podcast store and educationinthecracks.com you see the logo there i thank you for listening um god bless you all you take care and hang in there that what this is not going to last for forever but it's going to help you get to the next level to be able to help your student take care bye-bye